Would you stand as you are able for the reading of today's scripture? Taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Some of Jesus' more challenging teachings for us today. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, as we continue in our series, Different, uh, this is a perfect day to think about how Jesus calls us to a different understanding of love and hate. Different understanding of how we relate to all people, not just the people we like or the people like us, but with all people. Oscar Wilde put it this way, Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. G.K. Yeah. <laughs> Chesterton, the great writer, uh, Father Brown Mysteries, uh, but also a clergy person, put it this way, The Bible tells us to love our neighbors, and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. <laughs> we human beings struggle, particularly we religious human beings, struggle with how we are to relate to people with whom we disagree, or who don't like us, or who we have difficulty liking ourselves. I grew up in a household with two siblings. I had an older brother and a younger sister. And we were three or so years apart. So for a very long period of time, there was always something to quarrel about. Or argue about. Or just to line up and have a fight over. And my parents were very, very strict. And they believed in punishment. And so... When we would behave badly toward each other, we might get a whipping, we might get sent to our room, we might be grounded for a week. But whichever one of those punishments they chose, there was one constant punishment that happened in addition. And it was the worst. It was the most brutal ritual I've ever taken part in in my entire life. My parents would make you hug the person you were fighting with <laughs> and say, I love you. <laughs> Anybody else have that joy in your life? Yeah. My parents were intent on us figuring out something about what Jesus was talking about. How we love one another. Enemies can pop up anywhere, can't they? Can't they? Among our friends among our family, in our neighborhoods, those with different political ideas or different theological perspectives. Even in the church, people 
can feel that each other is an enemy. Throughout our lives, we're confronted with this reality that Jesus is addressing in this text from the Sermon on the Mount. How should a follower of Jesus relate to all people? This is the last of the six. Uh, you have heard it said, but I say to you, teachings of Jesus. I love those. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And this one is a call to be different. And if we answer it and we try to live into it, we will be very different from the world indeed. But it's a hard word, isn't it? Reminds us of those words from last week where Jesus said we need to have a different understanding of retaliation or revenge. It's hard for us to even get our minds around the idea that we are to love our enemies. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle with that is we confuse loving our enemies with a lot of other things. We confuse that with liking them. Or agreeing with them. Or approving of them. And when we get that in the way, it stops us from being able to hear what Jesus is really calling us to do. We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, Jesus says. Not so we can just all get along. We do that. So that we understand that choice makes us an obedient child of God. It's not even about the other person. That choice makes us an obedient child of God. Jesus is calling us to see that it's about who we are, not about who the other person is or what we feel the other person has done. To love our enemies and to care for them in prayer allows our life to reflect God's way of looking at us. The way God sees people. Jesus makes that point by saying, God who sends the sun and the rain on everyone, the evil and the good, the righteous and the unrighteous, the neighbor and the enemy. God sees people. People that God loves. And people that God provides for and sustains in grace in this wonderful gift called life. So we get that in the way and we miss it. It's not about liking or approving or agreeing with. It's about making a choice out of who we are. I think the other thing that I know I struggle with in this passage, and maybe you do too, is that pesky word, perfect. Be perfect. You know, the word that's translated perfect here is a word that's only used by Matthew. Mark and Luke don't use it at all. And Matthew only uses it two times. In this text, and then in chapter 19 of the gospel, the story we know of, uh, know as the rich young ruler. The man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, keep the commandments. 
And the man says, I've kept them all. But he still knew he lacked something. He still knew that something was missing in his life. And so Jesus says to him, I wish you to be perfect. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then follow me. This man who had kept the law, who had done the minimum, but knew that his soul was not satisfied. Jesus calls him in that word perfect to do more. More than the minimum. More than just what was required. Do you hear that in this text too? You love those who love you? Big deal, Jesus says. Don't even the tax collectors do that? You love those who already agree with you on everything? Don't the Gentiles do that? Jesus is calling us to more. To live to a different standard. To give ourselves totally over to letting God's love live in us. It's still a hard word, isn't it? But we can hear it. I hope we can hear it and embrace it. Can we hear this call to be more? God is all about more. We're celebrating that today, aren't we? More than we could have ever imagined, more than we could have ever dreamed. God is about more. God is about more love than we could ever comprehend. God is about more grace than we could ever imagine. God is about more forgiveness than we could ever earn. God is all about more. And Jesus is calling us to live up to more, not down to the minimum. You know, when we do this, when we love like that, we're the ones who are transformed. It doesn't even really matter what the other person does. When we say yes to loving the world the way God loves the world and loving neighbors and enemies alike, we're the ones who are changed. We are the ones who become people who live lives that look more and more like the life of Jesus every day. In a little bit, we're going to celebrate what I say in my own mind, my name for it in my own mind is the house that love built. The house that love built. A welcoming, open, hospitable place for all God's children. A safe place for all God's children. A place where people will be valued and respected and served. God calls us to more because God is all about more. And we get to celebrate the blessing of more today. Let's live those kind of lives. 
Let's be those kinds of people who because we say yes to what Jesus is asking, the world gets to see the love God has for them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.